certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at loose in Perth. Sarah Spears, Jane Rimmer, Kira Glennon. And every time you saw a young girl walking by, you think, oh God, is she going to be the next victim? Now, one man stands accused. If police are right and Edwards is the Claremont serial killer, he's been hiding in plain sight for 20 years. After a three-day delay, today the trial resumed and court heard about the exact moment the Karakata rape was linked to Kira Glennon. Welcome to Claremont in Conversation, day 44. Natalie Bongiolo in the studio with Emily Morton and Tim Clark is calling in. So this is crucial evidence from the discredited former head of Pathwest. Yeah, so I think all through the trial we were sort of waiting to hear from Mr Webb, who, um, as, as many of the listeners probably have heard by now, that he had left um, Pathwest under a cloud in 2016. Um, and we'd heard sort of during the opening that he was the forensic, uh, the Pathwest um, scientist who basically transported along with um, one of the detectives from the Macro Task Force, um, Kira Glennon's exhibits to the UK to be tested in 2008. And um, as we were you know, talked about a lot that that test was when they first discovered that there was a male DNA profile on her fingernails. Um, so we were sort of hoping that we would hear from him, um, but we, we sort of heard from him, but in the form of his statements being read into court. That's right. And Tim, you had tipped us off that Laurie Webb wouldn't take the stand. Was there any explanation offered today as to why? No, none at all, Matt. Um and my understanding is it's not going to be either. Uh, it's it's obviously. It, I, I think we can deduce it's a sensitive issue. I I, 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 I certainly wouldn't think that um, uh, if Mr. Jovich particularly got the chance to question Mr. Webb about this crucial, or well, several crucial moments, but certainly the the moment where um, he takes the fingernails to the UK, that he wanted question Mr. Webb in person about that. Um, as 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 he as he should want to question him about it, but uh, mm-hmm. but he's not going to. Um, it was done by consent today, as as we we see as we tipped on uh, the end of last week, um, and uh, and as Em said, all we we heard his words, but not from uh, not from Mr. Webb's mouth. So, can you talk us through um, the this crucial DNA that was flown to the UK? Did he talk exactly how that happened? Because we have, um, you know, asked the question: Was it in the cargo hold? Was it in someone's, you know, briefcase on their lap? Can you talk us through if that was explained? Um, yeah, in, so in, in some in some detail, it was. Uh, so these are. Four fingernail exhibits, the, the four crucial ones that we've spoken about so many times from uh, Kira's left and right hands, along with um, some hair uh, and eyelashes. And the little tidbit that we did learn today that we hadn't heard before was that there was another um, uh, set of evidence from another criminal case that was taken over to the UK at the same time, um, which uh, which we'd like to know which, which case that was. Whether we ever will is, is another matter, but um, that might be something for an, uh, another day. They, these samples were taken to the UK and how it was described through Mr. Webb's statement today were that they were taken out of the freezer, they were put into secure envelopes which were then sealed and signed and, and labelled very clearly and they basically didn't leave Mr. Webb's and Mr. Uh, uh, Detective Stanbury's side uh, 
for the entire journey. And that included a stopover in Singapore as well. So you can imagine how tightly the, the, these guys would have been clutching onto these these envelopes. We're not sure how they were transported, whether they, they well, I'm sure they were in some sort of bag. And then literally from the timing of it, um, they flew overnight, Sunday to Monday, stopped in Singapore, got into London, and then it would appear from the timings of when they were logged at FSS in London, they got straight from from the airport, straight into the centre of London, to the FSS lab in Lambeth, where they logged um, these 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 two sets of exhibits at, at just after two o'clock in the afternoon. So uh, clearly no. this is, yeah, really special um, cargo. Very yeah. special cargo. Um, and I, I wrote in the paper a couple of weeks ago, it could, it could well become the most precious carry-on um, luggage in, in WA legal history because if, if all this DNA testing that went on in the UK is deemed kosher enough by the, the Justice Hall, it could well lead to uh, you know a conviction that so many people have... I've wondered about for so long. So once they've dropped the um, samples at FS, FFS lab, what happened after that to these samples and when did they get some results or further information? In terms of the testing, um, um, we are expecting to hear from the, the people from um, the UK lab that carried out the testing either next week or the week after. Um, just with the adjournment, I think um, the timetabling has sort of been pushed out a little bit. But what we did hear today was that um, in January 2009, um, Mr Webb in one of his statements said that he'd received an email from um, Detective Sergeant Jim Stanbury, who had um, gone with him to the UK to deliver the samples that basically these are results and then he was able to examine them. And so he sort of looked through them and um, basically he was able to sort of, I think his words was, deduce that there was, a, like, because there was a mixed DNA profile there, so he could also see that himself. Um, and from there, he then uploaded that result into the WA DNA database. And then when he did that, that's when he got a hit to a unsolved rape from Karakata in 1995. And so that's when that connection was made back then. So this is that eureka moment yep. that we were talking about and, and wondering who made that actual discovery. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it was the eureka moment. And as, as described in Mr Webb's statement, it would appear to have been him on January the 16th, 2009, when they'd waited several months to, to get these, as Em's just explained, 1st of September, they arrived in the UK, the, the, uh, the results didn't come back until January the following year, so it, it, it had taken a while, but I mean, obviously these are not tests that can be done overnight or in a day or, or three, um, and when, when uh, Mr Webb got that email from DS Stanbury, punched it into his uh, into his database it, it then took another few days to come through but that was uh, that was it that was the moment January 20 January 16 2009 when the uh, the unknown male four mm -hmm. sample that had been uh, input into the uh, into the database all those years ago finally found its match and uh, that match was from under Kira's fingernails allegedly there were multiple statements from Laurie Webb. Was there anything else of significance that caught either of your attention today? Well, it, I mean, it was interesting timeline-wise to, to know that it had actually been Mr Webb that had peer-reviewed 
the, the, the samples and the tests done on the samples from the Karakata rape victim way back in 1995. So it, 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 he, was, that's, it, he was senior enough even then to have been testing or, or checking other, other scientists' work um, back, back in 1995 um, to, to, to make sure all those tests were done properly. And then lo and behold, all those years later, in 2008, those, those tests that he checked almost 13 years before, 14 years before, um, came back um, uh, with, the, with the breakthrough that, that so many people have been waiting for for, uh, for so long. The other thing that he did as well was once that they got that match, he then sort of requested for that um, sperm cell fraction or the, well, the intimate swabs to be tested again, but to have more advanced testing done on them because obviously with the passage of time as well and advancements in the technology that they were even using just to, make, to, to get a better DNA profile of that male profile so that they compa- compare it to that male profile that was found um, on Kira Glennon's fingernails. So that was also... Um, we sort of learnt today as well that that took place. And I guess what we've been hearing um, more and more so is they they really were pushing and trying to break new ground in in trying to bring some kind of, you know, result with this case. Oh, they'd left no stone unturned, as, as we've discussed previously, Nat. We, getting information about the uh, investigation was, was hard enough, but actually getting clues... By, from the investigators uh, was was super hard, but they were trying everything. It would appear, um, as Em said, they did then double tested here um, to make sure that those results were 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 um, correct. And then we also know in the evidence to come quite shortly, actually, after that breakthrough, they sent more of the Karakata victims' um, DNA swabs to the UK. So they could check them as well, just so just so that they were triply sure that what they were seeing was 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 correct. And and as M said, the next tranche of witnesses after we finish with Path West this week and maybe early into next week will be the some of these FSS scientists either on video link. We learned yesterday that some of them are flying in, and that and that will, they will conclude with Dr. Jonathan Whitaker, who was uh, who's the boss of FSS and and, and signed off. On all these uh, on all these results um, uh, back in 2008. Well, Laurie Webb's statements were read into court quite late today, but your day actually started with um, Mr. Bogdanovicius, whose testimony was interrupted because of um, these missing documents. So, what further did he reveal today? It was painstaking, Matt. I've got to say, it was it was details. It was long, and at times it was uh, hard to follow. But mm. as we've discussed, this this break in in proceedings ha- had come about because some new documents had had um, come to light around some of the testing that Path West had done on the fingernails back in '01 and '03, and we believe that what we heard most for most of today was some of these new documents that had come to light about all the procedures and all the testing that had been done um, over those years and the results of them and then also Mr. Bogdanovicius's compilation of these two evidence matrix matrices if I can spit that out that he was he was compiling for the police which was to show all the different pieces of evidence particularly from Gira's case what work had been done on them and what 
hadn't. And we went through that in um, minute, uh, microscopic forensic yeah. detail. Um, it took a while, but we got there. Um, and But for poor old Mr. Bogdanovich, it's not the end of the journey, unfortunately, <laughs> because he will have to come back on Monday to start his cross-examination because Mr. Yovich has been given more time to go through those documents to see if there's anything that he needs to, to work up over the weekend before he starts his interrogation. And so during his examination of the samples, he uh, did talk about finding um, male trace mm. of DNA, but then there was confusion as to whether that was actually recorded as as a um, hit or not? Yeah, there was two, like in terms of, um, there was what they call a third allele, which I understand, and I think Brendan's the best person to answer this again. <laughs> but um, So most people have two alleles that make up your genetic makeup, I guess. And then, so they were saying they found a third allele that wasn't part of Kira Glennon, so, but it wasn't two alleles. So it was like another, a, a, like a third allele, which they sort of thought could be male. Um, and so, but sort of the one of the difficulties for us today, and it was trying to follow with the, with these all these different what they call matrix or matrices or matrices, um, the documents that he created. Most of them were draft documents that we heard about, and we think they're the new ones that they were saying were discovered, and that he'd like made different versions along the way, and in in every version they had to be corrected. And I think one of the things that came out from this morning was that there were a couple of errors along the way that were being pointed out um, from these draft documents. But when it got to the final document, then they were like, okay, this this is what... And I think that's what the confusion was on Friday because he was referring to his notes that he'd made that they, the prosecution and defence weren't aware of. That's... That's how I understand it. I don't know, Tim, if that's how you understand it. Yeah, I think I think you pretty much nailed it there. And it was so the one, there was a draft version of this matrix. So there were two matrices done, and there were drafts of each. And so there were there were various versions of them, and there were as it as it went along over the evidence, there appeared to be uh, updates to have, have made to these matrices that didn't really tie into anything, and the judge. Justice Stephen Hall was asking, well, how, where's that come from? How have you got that information there when it wasn't on the first version? And so they've obviously dug deep and found all this other stuff, which is what's caused the, the, the break in play this week. But I think we got to the bottom of it today. Um, and it was a deep well, I've got to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I mean, it, but it's, it's, it's like we've discussed so many times it's, it's very it's very important to get everything out there so there's no surprises and there was a little surprise but it doesn't appear to have been a groundbreaking one we'll find out more obviously on monday when mr jovich starts his cross-examination to see where we where we go with it all um and as em said the key point out of it all really i think was the two of those fingernails that were tested by um path west in 01 and 03 there were tiny, tiny little flecks of something there, male, basically, DNA, that they thought might be there. But it wasn't enough to get really excited about, but it was enough for the scientists to make notes on, on, their, on their spreadsheets um, for it might be something that the police might want to follow up at some 
further st stage in the future because they were taking the testing as far as they possibly could at that time and possibly a little bit further because they were doing LCN testing when they weren't accredited to do so just for the sake of completeness and trying to give the coppers something more to go on so it was a long way to get to that short point but that's what that's that's how some days and weeks in court are i know some listeners are starting to think it might we might be getting a bit repetitive but that is what court procedures are some days um, they, you do go over old ground um, just to make sure that you've covered it all and I think there was a, a bit of information today where um, it almost felt like um, he was sort of saying well you know today if we were to do the same test it would be different but back then they probably didn't even have the knowledge to be able to actually know what they were reading. Well, yeah, well, one of the things they said that when they carried out the, the low copy number testing, which they weren't accredited to do, he said that they only actually did it once. And then from the results of that, he said, he basically, he said on the stand that they just weren't, he wasn't experienced enough to actually read the results. Like he sort of was, he sort of basing his experience on the other kits that they use. But with this, he said like, when looking at it they weren't really sure of what they were looking at and because of that um they didn't he didn't want to put it into the report to say this is definitely it but when asked why they were doing it he said they were just trying to find new avenues for the police to follow to say oh this could be this or this could be that but at the time they weren't experienced in reading the results of low copy number testing plus they weren't equipped to really do that but then I, I don't know how much of the listeners are, are, are aware of or, but we were sort of heard today that well um, it's a, it's obviously much more complicated than the way I'm going to explain but basically LCN testing means that they do more cycles on the actual um, sample so he said that they used 35 cycles for their own LCN testing and the standard that they normally use were 28 but I think in my googling LCN or the one that the FSS uses 34 cycles but um, but that was just something that he mentioned but apparently they do numerous they do these tests numerous times whereas they only carried it out once so therefore he didn't think that that the results from that were enough to you know he basically said they wouldn't have been used to stand up in court, yet we were talking about it in court today. Yes, so. yes. I mean, I think this is the thing, which is what you've just said, Tim, is that at that time they were doing everything they could to help the coppers. Um, they were breaking new ground. They were pushing themselves into areas that they didn't necessarily have the expertise. But, of course, now we apply that to 2020 standards and they're under this incredible scrutiny. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely right, Matt. Um, they were obviously, I mean, reading between the lines, they were just trying everything they could possibly think of to to, to give the, the detective something else to go on. Because, I mean, we're talking in 2003, we're talking, you know, seven years after Jane's body was discovered. I mean, which is all already an incredibly long time for such a high profile murder to, to, to go unsolved. Um, so you can understand it in, in a way, and then fast forward to today and, and the last couple of weeks. Yes, they, they, it comes under intense scrutiny in a in a, in a hugely um, visual trial, and and it might look like they were they were you know floundering in the dark a little bit. But what did come of it, I suppose, if you if you if you want to take it all the way, is they were on the right track uh, because yeah. LCN copy, low copy number testing is the 
technique that eventually got this did the breakthrough. So they, I mean, they were looking in the right area, but you know, they didn't really necessarily have the the skills and and, and knowledge at that time to be able to to really to really do what what eventually someone in the UK did. That's right. Well, I applaud you both today for for taking this six and a half hours of extremely difficult and complicated material and and kind of summing it up for us in a a way that we can still sort of follow what was going on today. Um, Because I know, you know, I was just looking through the blog, Emily, as you were doing it. And I just thought, I didn't even know how you're writing it. Because to me, it was like you were writing another language. It felt like it. (laughs) It really is that complex so thank you both for for, um you know uh, nutting it out for us and and giving us that insight can you tell us what will happen tomorrow well um we think we've got a lady called denise galvin who was a scientist who worked with mr webb and mr bogdanovicius at pathwest was responsible for doing some of the tests over the journey um and so she will um basically describe how she went about it, what she did, and what she was asked to do, uh, which will be, uh, which will, again will be be interesting. Uh, we might cover new ground, so I might warn some listeners. We might be repeating ourselves a little bit, <laughs> but again. Um, but um, as we've said, uh, it's 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 the biggest trial in WA history, probably criminal trial anyway, um, and they uh, they want to get everyone they possibly can. Um, so that's that's where we'll go, and then it'll be Mr. Bogdanovich's cross examination on Monday, uh, which will go for quite a while, I would think. And then we just need to wait and see how, how that affects the the UK um, based witnesses, both video link and in person. Because once we get there, then we really are getting to the uh, getting to the heart of the, mm. of the breakthrough. That's right. Well. You'll both be back in court tomorrow and thank you for today and join us tomorrow for day 45 when we wrap up week 10 already. Can you believe it? Week 10 of Claremont in Conversation and that will be tomorrow with Tim and Alison. We'll talk to you then. This podcast was produced by Kate Ryan and Alicia Preedy and recorded in the studios of Seven West Media. Audio files were provided from the archives of the Seven Network and the West Australian. Sign up for daily emails and all the latest on the Claremont trial at thewest.com.au. Enjoying this podcast? If the story behind the headline matters to you, then you can count on thewest.com.au to deliver. For more on Claremont the trial, follow the live blog, watch the nightly news updates, and sign up for daily email updates at thewest.com.au. Subscribe now for just a dollar a day at thewest.com.au.